medical mendacity, years of medical deception and manipulation ending in a brutal and gruesome slaying. This is the case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Trigger warnings. The very roots of this case are Munchausen by proxy and malingering. So of course, with such topics, there will be medical jargon, medical abuse, maltreatment and murder. If this is something that you are unable to listen to right now, we totally get it and we hope to see you in another episode. Thank you, Turtle. Now on to the case. So, who was Gypsy Rose Blanchard? Born on the 27th of July 1991, Gypsy began her childhood in Louisiana and throughout her early years, she and her mother would move a number of times. They lived in a few small towns, so they were never far from the fringes of New Orleans. Gypsy's father, Rob Blanchard, had separated from her mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, not long before Gypsy was born. Rod would later claim that Dee Dee believed their daughter suffered from sleep apnea at only three months of age. That would be the first in what would be proven to be a pattern of Dee Dee's behaviour and her extraordinary regimen. Throughout Gypsy's childhood, her mother appeared convinced that Gypsy was illness-prone and afflicted with a seemingly endless list of disabling conditions. Dee Dee would portray her daughter as a fragile flower, not healthy enough to engage in typical social activities. When Gypsy was just eight years old, Dee Dee had described her as suffering from leukaemia, muscular dystrophy, and with claims that she required a wheelchair and a feeding tube. And yes, it's that time already in the episode. We are now going to give you a bit of information relating to these conditions to educate you and raise awareness where we can. Take it away, Echo. Thank you, Turtle. So let's start with sleep apnea. The symptoms of this mainly occur when the patient is asleep as is in the name. The symptoms include breathing, stopping and starting, making gasping, snorting or choking noises, waking up a lot and loud snoring. The symptoms a patient may experience during the day are as follows. They may feel tired, like very tired, find it hard to concentrate, have mood swings and have a headache on waking up. If a doctor believes a patient may have sleep apnea, they may refer them to a special sleep clinic for tests. At the clinic, the patient may be given devices that check things like their breathing and heart rate while they sleep. The doctors will request that the patient wear these overnight so the doctors can check the signs of sleep apnea. This can be done at home, but sometimes the patient may need to stay in overnight. The test can show if the patient has sleep apnea and how severe it is. This is based on how often their breathing stops when, while they're asleep. Many people with sleep apnea need to use a CPAP machine when they sleep, which gently pumps air into a mask that is worn over the nose or mouth while they sleep. It can improve breathing while they're asleep by preventing the airways from getting too narrow and improve the quality of sleep and aid the patient in feeling less tired and it can reduce the risk of complications related to sleep apnea such as high blood pressure. Now onto leukemia. It's a broad term for cancers of the blood cells. Breaking down the word to start with, the prefix luke meaning white and deriving from Greek. In the suffix emia meaning blood or in reference to the presence of a substance in the blood. 
The type of leukemia depends on the type of blood cell that has become cancerous and whether it grows quickly or slowly. It occurs most often in adults over 55 years old, but it is also the most common cancer in children younger than 15. There aren't many charities for those with leukemia, and I thought that this would be an ideal moment to raise awareness of the Children with Cancer UK charity. Their vision is a world where every child survives cancer, and all donations aid them in funding life-saving research and support for children and their families through treatment and beyond. Now, onto a brief about muscular dystrophy. The muscular dystrophies, known as MD, are a group of inherited genetic conditions that gradually cause the muscles to weaken, which leads to an increased level of disability. Muscular dystrophy is a progressive condition. This means that it gets worse over time, and it often begins by affecting a particular group of muscles before affecting the muscles more widely. Some types of muscular dystrophy eventually affect the heart or the muscles required for breathing. It's at this point that the condition becomes life-threatening. It's caused by mutations in the genes responsible for the structure and functioning of a person's muscles. The mutations cause changes in the muscle fibres that interfere with the muscle's ability to function and over time this causes increasing disability. These mutations are often inherited from a person's parents. There are many different types of muscular dystrophy. Not all types cause severe disability and many types don't. The most common type of muscular dystrophy is Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. To diagnose muscular dystrophy, there are a variety of different methods and the age at which the condition is diagnosed will vary depending on when the symptoms first began to appear. To diagnose muscular dystrophy, it will involve some or all of the following. Investigations of symptoms, discussing any family history of muscular dystrophy. Physical examination, blood tests, electrical tests on the nerves and muscles, and or a muscle biopsy. This is where a small tissue sample is removed for testing. There is no cure for muscular dystrophy, though there are a range of treatments available to help with the physical disabilities and problems that may develop, which can include mobility assistance, this can include the use of physical aids, exercise and physiotherapy, and sometimes may include hydrotherapy. Support groups. This is to aid in dealing with the practical and emotional impact of muscular dystrophy. Surgery to correct postural deformities such as scoliosis. And medicines such as steroid treatments to improve muscle strength, or ACE inhibitors and beta blockers to treat heart abnormalities. We've previously covered feeding tubes in another episode, Medical Murder, so for this episode, I think I'll leave it there, as to not bombard you all with too much medical jargon. But just before we do go back to the case though, it is important to note that Gypsy did undergo a muscle biopsy to investigate claims of muscular dystrophy. Anyway, I'll hand it back to you now, Turtle. Seko. Always a pleasure. In an interview for Discovery Plus documentary Gypsy's Revenge, the following was said by Kim Blanchard, who, just for the record, is in no way a blood relation to Dee Dee or Gypsy. 
quote, As far as Gypsy being sick, you almost wouldn't think that she was. A lot of people who had a lot less wrong with them would probably have done a lot more moaning and wailing about the whole thing. Here she is having tubes put into her and needles and treatments, end quote. It was claimed that Gypsy was an inspiration for all that she went through, and yet she still had a smile on her face. The list of medical problems that Dee Dee related about her daughter would go on to include seizures, asthma, hearing and visual impairments. It was due to Dee Dee's actions that Gypsy was prescribed a litany of medications and had to sleep using a breathing machine. She also underwent multiple surgeries, including procedures on her eyes and the removal of her salivary glands. When Gypsy's teeth rotted, which could have been due to her medications, her missing salivary glands or neglect, they were pulled out. Back to Echo for a bit more of a medical jump regarding salivary glands. I do apologise to the listener. Um, when writing the script, I didn't realise how much medical dumps I'd actually put in the script. Um, but it is a bit of a autism hyperfocus of mine, so I do apologise. Anyway, to give a bit of an idea as to what Gypsy went... Anyway... To give a bit of an idea as to what Gypsy underwent during this procedure, I'm going to describe the surgery and upon waking in recovery. This is known as Kaku in the UK, which I may use out of habit. So the gland that she had removed is known as a submandibular gland, and it's located on either side of the upper part of the neck, immediately below the lower jaw. It produces saliva which drains from it through a tube that opens on the inside of the mouth, under the tongue, immediately behind the lower front teeth. The most common reason for removing this gland is because of infection that occurs if the tubes that drain the saliva become blocked, which is usually a result of stones. The procedure usually takes about an hour and involves a cut of around two inches long in the upper part of the neck just below the jawline. Once removed, the wound is closed with stitches and at the end of the operation, a small tube is usually placed through the skin into the underlying wound to drain any blood which may collect. This tube is usually removed on the morning after surgery. After the operation, the patient will wake up in PACU, or recovery, which is usually located next to the operating theatre, and they'll be wearing an oxygen mask. It's here that either a recovery nurse, or in the UK, the patient would be treated and monitored by an operating department practitioner. This is shortened to ODP. Whilst in PACU, the healthcare professional would monitor their pulse oximetry, blood pressure and temperature and administer any pain medications and anti-sickness medication if necessary. Back to the case, Gypsy did undergo the surgery to have her salivary glands removed because Dee Dee had claimed that she drooled excessively. Thank you, Eka. Medical tests often showed inconclusive or contradictory results regarding Gypsy's supposed diagnosis. Dee Dee would stop seeing any doctors who questioned her daughter's ailments. Many caregivers went along with what Dee Dee wanted and because she had some nurse training, she was able to accurately describe symptoms and would even go as far as to give Gypsy medications that would mimic certain conditions. 
When Gypsy was old enough to talk, Dee Dee instructed her not to volunteer any information during their appointments, so that she was the one that was always relating Gypsy's fake medical history. Dee Dee even told Gypsy's father, Rob Blanchard, that their daughter had a chromosomal disorder that had led to her many health issues. Her father complimented her mother for her devoted care of Gypsy, but that when some of Dee Dee's family noticed that Gypsy didn't seem to need a wheelchair and began asking questions, Dee Dee packed up their things and moved away. Dee Dee claimed that they had been victims of Hurricane Katrina and this led to her and Gypsy receiving assistance in 2005 to move from Louisiana to Missouri. Once they had moved, Dee Dee continued to take Gypsy to the doctor's appointments. Hurricane Katrina also provided the ideal excuse for missing medical files. In 2008, Gypsy and Dee Dee moved into a new home in Springfield, Missouri. It was painted pink and built by Habitat for Humanity and had a wheelchair ramp. They also received benefits that included charity-sponsored visits to concerts in Disney World. Dee Dee was living a life of luxury and basking in the attention that she received for being the perceived devoted caretaker of a severely ill child. When Gypsy was 14, she went to see a neurologist in Missouri. He came to believe that she was the victim of Munchausen by proxy, also known as factitious disorder imposed on another. However, despite his suspicions, he never reported her case to authorities and later stated in interviews that he believed that there wasn't enough evidence to act. Dr. Fartestein went as far as to write in Gypsy's medical notes, in bold and underlined, Mother is not a good historian. He also wrote, analysing all the facts, and after talking to her previous paediatrician, there is a strong possibility of Munchausen by proxy. Sorry, I'm just going to insert here. Why do medical professions never report their suspicions when we do cases like this? Across the board, in all the areas of life, we need to have a report culture. It's not for us to decide if there is sufficient evidence for our suspicions or not. That is for the trained professionals. That's why there are reviewers of reports. That's why there's a panel, there's a board and all of this stuff. Instead, this doctor left Gypsy at the hands of a woman who clearly needed additional support and Gypsy to be on the receiving end of medical decisions that she didn't need. We do need to be more daring to offend. I know it can cause distress and trauma if someone is wrongly accused at the same time. If the suspicions are correct, you could be saving a child's life their childhood so much you could be preventing so much psychological trauma and thank you for that turtle you're welcome but and this is a big but in 2009 an anonymous report was made to authorities that stated that dd's accounts regarding gypsy's ailments had no medical basis this resulted in two caseworkers visiting their home but Dee Dee managed to convince them that there was absolutely nothing wrong. Over to Turtle. As for her father, Rob Blanchard, he was 17 when he married his pregnant girlfriend, Claudine, known as Dee Dee Peter. She was a 24-year-old former beauty queen and a nursing aide at the time. They split up by the time Gypsy was born in Golden Meadow, LA. 
He stated that Dee Dee made it extremely difficult for him to see their daughter. He is quoted as saying, After the first time I saw her in the wheelchair at seven years old, I've never seen her walk again. But through all the illnesses, she's always been a trooper. He recalled that Dee Dee prevented him and Gypsy from getting too close. And he regrets never asking really hard questions. But he avoided doing so because he feared that Dee Dee would cut off contact completely. He also said that when he did see Gypsy, Dee Dee had to be there the whole time. Something never felt right about it. Dee Dee was so controlling. As Gypsy grew older, Dee Dee even began to lie about her age. She even went as far as to alter the dates on Gypsy's birth certificate to make her daughter seem younger. She changed the year from 1991 to 1995. But despite her efforts, Gypsy was becoming harder and harder to control, which led to Gypsy trying to run away. In 2011, Gypsy made an attempt to get away from her mother by running away with a man she had met at a sci-fi convention. But it didn't take long for Dee Dee to track them down through a mutual friend. She managed to convince the man that Gypsy was a minor, even though she was actually 19 at the time. Gypsy claims that Dee Dee smashed her computer and physically restrained her to the bed after returning home. She also has stated that her mother would sometimes hit her and deny her food. Gypsy told ABC News, quote, The prison that I was living in before, with my mum, it's like I couldn't walk, I couldn't eat, I couldn't have friends, I couldn't go outside, you know, and play with friends or anything. It's claimed that even expressing interest in the outside world would come with consequences. Gypsy has said, quote, it would turn into an argument that would last a couple of days, or it was something where she wouldn't feed me for two days or so. It started to be physical in 2011. She would hit me with a coat hanger sometimes. But following her runaway attempt, Gypsy has said that afterwards, Dee Dee physically chained her to the bed and put bells on the doors. Gypsy did create a secret Facebook account as her social media was all shared with her mum, who monitored everything. She wouldn't even leave Gypsy alone with someone just to be a child and talk. So Gypsy created the secret account so that she could talk and vent freely to people and have the closest thing she could whilst under her mother's controlling thumb to have friends. Gypsy is on record as saying the following in regards to her mum. She had a very persuasive persona on the outside. You would almost think she's just the kindest, sweetest, and most genuine person. If she found the doctor didn't agree with what she wanted, she would switch to a different doctor that she would find. I've probably seen over a hundred doctors in my life. Over to you, Turtle, with the crime. On June 14, 2015, there was a post shared by Gypsy and Dee Dee's shared Facebook page that read, quote, the bitch is dead, which caused a stir in the comments section. People debated what it meant until another post went up and it read, I beep slashed that fat pig. 
and Ah worded her sweet innocent daughter. Her scream was so bleat loud. Al oh Al. When people began to realise that no one had seen or heard from Dee Dee or Gypsy in, the, in days, friends Kim and David went to their home. When no one answered the phone or the door, David peeked in through an open window. He noted seeing the three wheelchairs which, to his and Kim's knowledge at the time, Gypsy couldn't go anywhere without. Kim called 911 and the police secured a search warrant for the house. It was then, when searching the home, that they found Dee Dee stabbed to death in her bed early the next morning. It was determined by investigators that she had been dead for several days. At the time the neighbours expressed shock and sadness with one man stating that Dee Dee was the nicest lady in the world and describing how she used to invite the whole neighbourhood over for movie nights in their backyard. Kim stated in an interview that Dee Dee being killed was quote the worst heartbreak that you could think of end quote. But what was to be revealed would send further shockwaves through everyone who knew the mother and daughter as authorities tracked the IP address of the creepy Facebook post to Wisconsin. That is where they found Gypsy and Nicholas. County sheriffs took Gypsy and Nicholas to into custody the same day that her mother was found dead. Gypsy told ABC News, I couldn't stand the thought of her just there because what happens if it would have taken months to find her? So I wanted her found so she could have a proper burial. So who was Nicholas? In 2012, Gypsy met Nicholas on a Christian dating website and it wasn't long before they were promising themselves to each other forever. In a message shown in the 2017 HBO documentary, Mummy, Dead and Dearest, Gypsy wrote, I need to tell you something. I'm no model. I have a medical condition, so I can't walk. I have a chair I use. Is that an issue? To which Nick responded, Why would that be a problem? You are an angel in my eyes. It will never make any difference in how I see you from the inside out. In 2015, the couple arranged to finally have an in-person movie date, and Gypsy hoped that her mother would approve of Nicholas. Instead, Dee Dee thought he was creepy and really didn't like him. According to Gypsy, it was a very long argument that lasted a couple of weeks. Yelling, throwing things, calling me names, bitch, slut, whore. The next time that Nicholas would come to town, it was to put his and Gypsy's plan to commit murder into action, according to prosecutors. Over to Turtle. Gypsy recalled giving Nicholas gloves, duct tape and a knife when he arrived at her home. He then proceeded to Dee Dee's bedroom, where he stabbed her 17 times in the back while she slept. According to Gypsy, she heard her mum scream for her during the attack. After Dee Dee was dead, they had sex in the bedroom afterwards, and then stole $4,400 from the safe and called a cab. Following this, they travelled to Wisconsin by bus and they mailed the murder weapon and the cash to Nicholas's house. The couple were arrested and transported back to Missouri, where they subsequently charged. With <laughs> the couple were arrested and transported back to Missouri, where they were subsequently charged with first-degree murder and felony armed criminal action. After the arrest, 
Following the arrest, Gypsy was initially suspected as being in cahoots with her mother to fool people into believing that she was in fact a very sick child in order to reap the financial benefits. At the time, Green County Sheriff Jim Arnold told reporters, we really don't know the true background of this family. This is a tragic event surrounded by mystery and public deception. He also revealed that despite what everyone had been led to believe, Gypsy could walk and added that they weren't even sure how old Gypsy was. It was noted that she was believed to be anywhere between 19 and 23. However, as the story began to unfold, it was concluded that Dee Dee had spun a vast web of lies and fraud. Ultimately, her daughter had been a victim of her sickness. The posthumous expert consensus was that Dee Dee had displayed classic signs of Munchausen syndrome by proxy which is where an attention-seeking or otherwise agenda-driven caregiver intentionally sickens, injures or creates the image of health problems in a dependent. Usually the victim of this is their own child. I'm just going to insert here, I've previously covered this in other episodes. According to Dr. Mark D. Feldman, Victims of Munchausen's by proxy may be permanently damaged physiologically or psychologically, either directly by the perpetrator's manipulations or by the treatments and tests that have been administered. A lot of medical tests can be very, very intrusive, especially when it later turns out that you didn't need them. The effects on adults, victimises children or adolescents were evaluated by an expert in Munchausen syndrome by proxy, Dr Judith Libo. She assessed 10 volunteers who believed that they had been subjected to MBP abuse while growing up. Her subjects reported receiving bizarre medical and surgical treatments in childhood. Two of the volunteers reported that in adult life, they staunchly avoided seeing doctors. The others described ongoing struggles avoiding playing the sick role and felt confusion about their illnesses even when they were legitimately sick. They also had difficulty making decisions about medical treatment. Thank you Turtle. I think it is important to note that currently very little is known regarding the psychological effects of being a victim of Munchausen by proxy can cause. Anyway, back to the case. Prosecutors acknowledged the abuse she had suffered and in 2016 she pled guilty to second-degree murder for her role in her mother's murder. She received the minimum possible amount of 10 She received the pos- she received the minimum possible amount of time 10 years in prison. At the time, county prosecutor Dan Patterson told the Springfield News Leader when you look at this case, it's a murder, and it's a first-degree murder, but it's also one of the most extraordinary and unusual cases we have seen. The fraud began when Gypsy was probably four or so, and ended up, quote, a part of her entire life growing up. And I think if you look at her medical records and the way the doctor visits were handled, it's clear that the person who spoke to the medical professionals and others was Claudine Blanchard. As for Nicholas, Gypsy testified for his defence at the 2018 trial, 
where his lawyers argued that he was a troubled young man who believed he was saving his beloved girlfriend from a heinously abusive situation. She stated at his trial, I wanted to be free of her hold on me. I talked him into it. However, under cross-examination, she testified that Nicholas was the dominant person in their relationship, and the prosecution alleged that Nicholas was motivated by lust and wanted to get his girlfriend's controlling mother out of the way. He was found guilty of first-degree murder and is now serving life in prison with a mandatory minimum sentence for the crime along with the, a concurrent 25 years for armed criminal action. At the sentencing hearing, Nicholas said, I was blindly in love. That was always very much the case. At the time, the judge denied the defence's request for a new trial based on the grounds that the defence's psychologist hadn't been allowed to testify to Nicholas's diminished capacity. Again, he appealed his conviction, citing poor representation and an evidentiary hearing was held in August 2022, and the judge denied the request in February. So where is Gypsy now? The murder was headline news. The twists and turns of the case became the topic of a number of documentaries such as Gypsy's Revenge on Discovery Plus and HBO's documentary Mommy Dead Dearest. The case also inspired the Lifetime movie Love You to Death and the popular Hulu series The Act, all of which ensured that the people stayed invested in Gypsy. In a 2021 letter to the Springfield News Leader, Gypsy shared that she was a facilitator for the Prison's Impact of Crimes on Victims class and had even started working on a book about her experience. She wrote that protecting child abuse victims, especially those affected by Munchausen by proxy, was her never-ending life goal. She was previously engaged to a man that she met through a prison pen pal program in 2019 but that ended and Gypsy went on to marry Ryan Scott Anderson from Louisiana in June 2022. She's also going on to be an actually free woman for the first time in her life. She's going to be 100% free as the Missouri Department of Corrections confirmed that 32-year-old Gypsy Rose has been granted early release and is due to walk out of the Correctional Centre on December 28, 2023. Now on to our thoughts and opinions, and since I'm talking, I'm going to go first. Give Echo's voice a break from all of that info dumping. Yeah, my voice does need a break because it's still not fully recovered from my throat infection. I think that this case is very tragic, just as all around. I can understand gypsies feeling trapped and needing to escape and for that reason I believe that she manipulated Nicholas into the scenario and then he was thrown under the bus. I think that it's a bit crappy that gypsy has been able to go free and early but Nicholas is stuck for a good long while yet and they 
conspired to do the crime together. She aided in the crime. She was an accessory. Yes, she was an accessory to the crime. She should be in for the for the same, in my opinion. I know she's a victim. I know there's justified reasons. But if you're going to consider it a murder, then she is an accessory to murder. It's not manslaughter in that sense. Nicholas did it because he felt he was protecting her. And for that reason, I think that it should have been the same kind of treatment. However, that being said, my opinion does also come from the fact that based on the information we have mentioned, I don't think he's one of those dangerous criminals who can't be rehabilitated. I don't think he's an awful person here. I do just think he's a person who made the wrong choice. Um, I do believe that Didi would obviously find him creepy because he's a threat to her way of life and a threat to what she was doing to Gypsy because he was an outside view. He was somebody who had an idea of social norms. He was a whistleblower and she, that's why she wanted her isolated from not just him, from everyone. It's why she monitored her social medias and stuff because she needed that control in her life to keep being able to have Gypsy at her medical whimsy. Not just that though, he, their whole idea was that they were going to, they had never met before and they were going to bump into each other at a screening of Cinderella. Fully grown bloke going to watch Cinderella on his own, no girlfriend, no kids. Could give a few creepy vibes, I would say. Good, but then he, she's been trying to make out that Gypsy was younger than she was. Yeah, that's a point too. Also, you could probably say the same about the Fantastic Beasts Somewhere to Find Them argument, you know, that's aimed at children. Okay, it's dark, so it's more aimed at like, older children, but there's still going to be adults who go see that on their own. I am going to insert as well. I do remember going to watch Ice Age on my own. <laughs> I was like an older teenager and I went to watch Ice Age on my own. When I went to go watch New Moon, I bumped into my friend and left my dad on his own in the cinema. Oh, God. See, I think it was like either three or four, and I'd just gone in on my own. I was like, I'm going to the cinema. I want to go watch Ice Age. I like Ice Age. It was, I'm pretty sure it was the one with the dinosaurs in as well. Three. Yeah, that one there. Going back to the point that I was trying to make, what Dee Dee was doing, it would have landed her in prison, especially if it had been reported properly. If you look back at Kelly Turner, there are striking similarities between her behaviour and Dee Dee's behaviour. How long would it have been before she tried to pull that stunt on Gypsy? Yeah, I would say 
looking at other cases as well of Munchausen by proxy that have ended and well even when they've been caught they do generally go for very invasive procedures um, they do seem to claim like the absolute worst and the other thing I have noticed um, just looking at Kelly Turner and Dee Dee is they both had social media presences where they would post about the medical stuff. Dee Dee had the shared Facebook page with Gypsy where she would post about Gypsy's medical stuff, what treatments she was undergoing and stuff. Kelly had her blog. You know, there's also that striking resemblance of having a social media platform where they share everything. And personally, if it was me, I wouldn't be sharing it online in the blog. But that's just me. I think that sharing it online in a blog for legitimate cases comes because you feel so alone and stuff. And it's just trying to find the people that have gone through it and want to support you that way. Yeah, quite possibly. But at the same time, you've got Facebook groups. It's still going online. Yeah, but it's not having a full, like, public page for anybody to read. Yeah, but you'd probably find that they found that information on a public page, so it swings and roundabouts. You can't have the Facebook groups without the social media presence. You can't have the social media presence if you don't then have a Facebook group necessarily speaking because some people don't want to share their stories publicly some people don't mind doing that but you need somebody who is willing to do that so that you can all find each other and support each other so for this I'm gonna have to give a bit of a rant for one dare to offend if you are seeing signs of potential Munchausen by proxy report it that's paramount. First and foremost, dare to offend. Um, because at the end of the day, as bad as it may be, and as harmful as it may be psychologically, and how much trauma it could cause the family if they're wrongly accused, if they are actually Munchausen, you could be saving a child psychologically. Um, you could be saving their childhood, you could even save their life. As would have been, was the case with Kelly Turner. Um, I would say as well that um, just because Dee Dee was Munchausen doesn't mean that all parents with sick kids have Munchausen. So there's that side as well. Uh, also, I'm just going to quickly put an insert in here. As always, we strongly advise that if you've related with any of the medical jargon on this, that you actually go see a medical professional. It is kind of the whole reason it's included. Yeah. We, wait, we want to raise awareness and encourage you to go see the medical professionals who are trained in the areas. Don't just take our words and descriptions over as a over actual medical trained 
medically trained professionals. Yeah. Um, I will say though, I don't know if it's just me, but there seems to always be a lot of financial gain in these cases. Um, getting to go to Disney World, getting to go to concerts, getting flights for free to go to medical appointments, um, getting a house, every all of that, all those donations. There's always some sort of financial gain and it does have me wonder like to what extent is it malingering and not Munchausen. I, I'm sorry, I just want to jump in here. I think in the cases in America you always have to consider whether or not it's because insurance won't cover it anymore. If that's when if that's when they start trying to go public, if that's when they start trying to get their story out there and stuff, it's because they're now reliant on the good donations of the people in the world. Um, or they end up in debt. There's that. But it's like it's the trips to Disneyland and Disney World, it's the make gumming. Because that's what they're doing, they're scamming Make-A-Wish Foundation and other charities so that their kids are getting all these fantastic experiences that should be saved for children who truly are terminal. And also, in the case of Kelly Turner, it would have been covered by her partner, well, her ex-partner, um, his insurance. Yeah. So, but then she'd have had to deal with him asking questions. To a degree. I mean, he didn't ask questions when it was when she was just spouting it all at him. Um, so yeah, to me, there just always seems to be a lot of financial gain for these individuals. My last point is I do somewhat disagree with you, Turtle, in what you said about Gypsy and Nicholas having the same sort of sentences. At the end of the day, Gypsy was a prisoner from very early on. She was a prisoner to a wheelchair unnecessarily. She was a prisoner to doctors. She was medically tortured for a long time and that murder was her way of escape. She tried to run away. She didn't feel she could trust anyone. Everything was monitored, you know. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Gypsy's sentence isn't fitting for what she's already been through. What I was saying is that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily cold-blooded murder. It was him trying to rescue Gypsy. The, the damsel in distress. Yes. I do think that they need to be taking into account that he does have Asperger. As someone, well, he does have autism. As someone who is on the spectrum, speaking here, we are incredibly vulnerable and naive. You know, we are more trusting, more likely to get into situations that could cause us harm and stuff like that. So with that in mind, that I do strongly feel that that should be taken into account 
and reduce his sentencing and maybe they should be putting more of an effort into aiding him with his autism. Honestly, I think that all the charge, the whole charge event against both of them needs to be reduced. I think there needs I, to, I think there needs to be like some kind of victim-based manslaughter. Definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um, like I said, I do feel that um, they haven't taken into account his Asperger's and what that means and how that would affect him. And that, to me, is unforgivable it, of the court system in America. They definitely haven't. And, you know, the same with Gypsy. They haven't taken into account her medical, well, the, the, the torture that she went through. You know, there was clearly remorse there because she did that Facebook post so that her mum was found. It wasn't a case of, like, the traditional murder where it was like, she needs to die, blah, 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 because X, Y, Z, she's inconvenienced me. It was, I'm a prisoner, I need to escape by any means necessary. And they didn't try to hide the body either. No. They just ran away. Yeah. Um, but overall, my opinion to this case is that there needs to be more in place to protect children from potential medical abuse. I do understand that medical professionals are trained to trust a, pa a parent um, because they weren't there when the parent, well, when the child had a fever of 39 the night before. They weren't there. But at the same time, they, if they do have suspicions because things are not adding up regarding medical history or anything like that, they need to be taking that into account. And if it's not adding up physiologically either, then it needs looking into it as a possibility. I think that they should, especially in the cases where the symptoms are stuff that could be created by medications that there should be a treat symptom investigate the cause mentality particularly if they happen to have mother not a good history on their file oh yeah definitely I mean like I say they should have been invested well, they did investigate and she did doctor shop. Um, she had a muscle biopsy that came back normal. There was so much that was contradictory of what her mum was saying. And that should have been followed up on. Her mum was saying that she was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. They did a muscle biopsy, it came back normal. Yeah. So how has she got a diagnosis of muscular dystrophy? You know, her mum's claiming she has leukaemia. Uh, tests come back normal. Well, how has she got a diagnosis of leukaemia? You know what I mean? Yeah. I get that, and there is a certain element of playing the system and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm also of the opinion that if you're suspicious enough to write it down on a folder, you're suspicious enough to report it. Yes, most definitely. 
anyway i think we're gonna wrap it up there yeah um if you're listening to us on youtube please give us a like subscribe for more and we hope to see you in a future episode if you're listening to us on spotify amazon music all of them what please do give us a rating um and follow for more content uh don't forget to comment if you if there is a case that you would like us to cover please do comment that you can comment it on our youtube channel you can put it on spotify i believe or you could go on to our tiktok and comment it there facebook instagram we are very active there we're, and we're about just about active on that one i occasionally remember to share something So, please do, if there is a case that you want us to cover, please do comment it. We would love to hear from you all, and we would also love to hear your opinions. What do you think to this case? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? And tell us why. Um, and see you again in a future video. Or future episode. Bye. Bye.